This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. appreciate you spending some time with us this morning as uh, we talk about, uh, well, a lot of baseball, but a lot of Olympics. Um, Some big trades in the NHL yesterday, a a bit of a shocker. Uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights with a salary dump, but we'll talk about all that stuff coming up here in a couple of minutes. Um, so for the second day this week, we uh, we get up to news, uh, uh, gymnastics news, that uh, Simone Biles has now decided to withdraw from the all-around competition at the Olympics in Tokyo. Um, as you know, she already she had already pulled out of the team competition. And her team actually did a very good job without it. They still captured the silver medal. Uh, the Russians took the gold. You know, so they did a pretty good job without her there. Would she have made the difference between winning, the, you know, winning it or not? Who knows? Because at the end of the day, uh, in the World Championships in 2019, the Russians had actually beaten the United States. So there's no guarantee. But I think all of this. You know, the, the what medal the United States got and what's going to happen in the all-around competition, which obviously now is wide open with uh, her withdrawal from that competition, that all takes a back seat to the conversations that are going on now about mental health. Look, mental health has become a big issue in this country in the last several years. It's not, you know, it, we're not used to our athletes. Um being talked about in this vein. I mean, there's obviously been some, uh, Jason Tatum has had some issues. Uh, we know Kevin Love famously of the, uh, of the NBA has had some, uh, issues with depression and anxiety. And, um, you know, Michael Phelps has dealt with some issues over the years. You know, it's not a, uh, it's not unheard of, but it is rare. And here is the problem. And Simone Biles tweeted out over the weekend that she felt like the weight of the world was on her shoulders. And there is no question that the pressure at the Olympics where every, literally every country in the world is watching, obviously there's more pressure than normal. And, and and the hard part for people to understand sometimes, and I have to be honest, I I am one of those people at times where go, I I don't get it. This is what you wanted. You know, you chose to participate in athletics. You're, you're gifted and you chose to participate in something where there is inherent built up pressure. So it is hard sometimes 
to step back and look at the fact that they are also human beings and we as humans are frail. We all have our frailties. We all have uh, our issues of one kind or another. You know, we have all been through things in our lives that have caused us to look at things a different way, maybe perhaps have some PTSD. She had, on top of the competition angle that she had and, and her excelling and everybody calling her the greatest of all time, and, you know, Hoda Kotb from NBC did an interview with her back in February and said, 50 years from now, people are going to be talking about you in history books. Jesus, there, there's not much pressure there, right? But on top of what she has done in the competitions, she has also had to deal, as everybody else in USA Gymnastics had to deal, with the fallout from Larry Nasser, the guy who is now serving a life sentence for molesting scores of gymnasts over the years. The guy who was the USA Gymnasts team doctor, the guy that's supposed to be a trusted person, somebody that sexually violated many of these girls. So on top of the competition, she has to deal with that. And God knows what that has done to her psyche before you even get to the floor mats, right? You know, she was a young, young girl. She's what, 24, 25 now? Uh, you know, she was dealing with this when she was a young teen. Um, so we don't know how that affected her. You know, the other piece of it is, and this is, this is where I sometimes struggle a little bit. All right. I, I get, you know, all the stuff that she has been through. I get the pressure of competition and it's a little bit different within gym, in gymnastics because you're out on that floor by yourself. It's not, I mean, they have a team event but you're still out there by yourself. When you're playing soccer, you're playing basketball, you're playing football, you have other people are playing baseball. There's other people on the field with you to support you. In gymnastics, even if it's a team event, when it's your time, you're out there by yourself. And as I said, in the Olympics, everybody's watching. But here's the other piece of this that makes it difficult sometimes for people to understand, myself included. She's been so wildly successful. And because of that, she has become a media darling. Not just the media, but a U.S. darling. And she is everywhere. She's in all kinds of television commercials. I just saw a thing on the day that she withdrew from the team competition on one of the breaks on the network. There was an ad for a event for a show that is going to be coming up or traveling around the country this fall featuring Simone Biles and other gymnasts. And it's, uh, I don't know, something like uh, it had something, it referenced something about a gold medal event or something like that. But she's everywhere. Her people are putting her everywhere. You know, she's doing, she does those, those stupid commercials for that food delivery service with, you know, I mean, it's just, they're kind of creepy actually. Um, you know, but she's in so many other places that she is, perhaps she's overexposed. Perhaps 
that is adding to everything that has gone on. It has made her even more wildly popular than she was when she was winning all those medals in Rio. You know, perhaps you need to look at this and say maybe that has added to it as well. Maybe, you know, you got to maybe she should have scaled that back a little bit, but it's also hard because a gymnast's career, any athlete's career, for that matter, is short compared to the totality of your life. If you are lucky, your career lasts 20 years, right? If you're lucky, by and large, I mean, a guy playing 20 years in Major League Baseball, that's a hell of a career. That's a long career. A gymnast, don't, don't, they don't last 20 years. You know, their, their time might be a dozen years. You know, uh, NFL player, the average NFL player plays, uh, what, five years before they're done because of injuries, et cetera, et cetera. I, it, so it's, you have to maximize your earning potential while you have that career. You know, I mean, so it's it's so hard to balance that practice, competition, interviews, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's no, you know, is is am I surprised that this has happened? Well, I well yes, I, I guess I am because we again we look at them sometimes as superhuman. But they're not superhuman. They're human. They have super ability, super athletic abilities. But upstairs, they're wired just like the rest of us. Yes, they may be more intense. They may have uh, that old eye of the tiger thing. But their brains are wired just like yours and mine. So they are subject to the same kind of anxiety and depression and you know whatever it is you want to call it as the rest of us have. And that's where we have to take a step back and whether, you know, so we bring up all these other things about the ads and, uh, you know, whether she should be doing all this other, this extra stuff on top of training and, and competitions. But at the end of the day, that's her job. Just like it's my job to do this and, you know, I edit, editing books and working for, in college athletics for all those years, that was my job. But I still had other things going on in my life that brought external pressure. I was still a father. I was still a husband. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I was still a friend. There were so many other things going on, and you have things that pull at you, you know, and we all have to deal with those things. It's just the athletes have to do it in a much more public light. And it has made that much more difficult for them because of idiots on social media, uh, people that comment on newspaper articles or things that you see in Twitter or on Facebook. I mean, there were people criticizing her. How dare she let the United States down? How dare she? And what is the matter with the United States? Why they should have known this. They should know. They should know, and they should have never let her even go to the Olympics. I mean, come on. You know, when people are dealing with mental health issues, there's no way anybody should know. It's a private thing. You know, we all deal with our demons, 
and we'd all deal with them in different ways. And most of the time we deal with them privately. Yes. You know, some of us may get help and, and go see, uh, you know, a therapist or whatever. And, you know, but we all do it basically privately. There are some people that, you know, or, you know, tweet out everything or, or put everything on Facebook that happens to them. Is this like, look at me, but most people don't do that. Most people do it silently. And when you have idiots, when this happens to Simone Biles and you have idiots out there going, oh, it's terrible. It's awful. God, what's wrong with her? You know, how can the United States let this happen? I mean, stop. So, yes, it's tragic. I feel badly for her. You know, at the same time, she did the noble thing. Could she have tried to push through this in the a team competition? Absolutely. She made a decision not to do that because she did not want to let her team down. She knew if she went out there and laid an egg, her team might not meddle at all. Right? I mean, this whole thing started because she was doing a, a you know, a, a warm-up uh, vault and she landed funny and she kind of went out of it and she said she lost herself in the air and she realized that her mental focus wasn't there and that everything had just gotten to her. And she did not want to let her teammates down. She said, you know what? It's better if I step away and I let them do this without me. They have a better chance without me than they do with me. That takes guts. You know, that's like the guy who is the slugger on your baseball team, you know, your cleanup hitter who's got a, you know, a bad wrist or whatever, uh, tell, going to his manager and saying, hey, I can't do it today. This thing hurts too much and, you know, uh, you know, this guy next to me is is my my batting average may be fifty points higher than his, and I may have twenty more home runs than than he does. But today, he's a better option for you than I am because I can't do this. So I I, mean, I think she should be applauded for that. That she had the courage to stand up and say, "No, I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to do this for my team. I'm going to pull out and give them an opportunity." And the girls, you know, acquitted themselves well. They won the silver medal, and and they didn't get embarrassed. And as far as the the uh, the all around competition, well, you know, I mean, that, that's an individual thing. And the other part of this is in gymnastics, if you are not mentally there and you lose yourself in the air or you don't do something correctly because your mental focus isn't right there, you could get hurt. She gets on the balance beam, tries to do some flip or some something, and she lands and, you know, does something and she lands wrong and lands on her head or on her neck or whatever, she could kill herself or paralyze herself or badly injure something. You know, so there's there's a piece of that too that she's got to know my own, if my mental uh, focus isn't there and I'm, I'm risking my life, well, then I got to stop. You know, that's like you and me going, uh, we, you know, you want to bungee jump off this cliff? Well, you know, this, this bungee cord's got a couple of frays in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and having the sense to say, you know, I don't like the way this bungee cord looks. Nah, I don't think I'm going to do it. You know, and so, you know, it's probably the smartest thing for her to do. Now, there's still a chance that she will compete in the individual events there for each apparatus. She's qualified for all of them, which, by the way, she didn't even do in 2016. If she is able to get past this. She's got a, she's basically, I think they start in the middle of next week. So she basically has a week to 
talk through this, work through this if she can, and, and see if she's able to compete in the individual events. And if not, then so be it. And if it's the last time we see Simone Biles in the Olympics, so be it. She owes us nothing, right? She, you know, what she has done in her career up to this point still makes her, you know, one of the best gymnasts we have ever seen in this country or in the world, for that matter. So, you know, she owes nobody except herself. And she made a decision for herself. And the people that want to criticize her for it should be ashamed of themselves. You know, uh, and I, I, again, I will admit that I, you know, you say to yourself, well, this is what she signed up for. But again, you have to look at it. You have to look at the whole picture. I have a daughter who, who suffers with anxiety, who a couple of times in her life has literally not been able to get out of bed and go to work, you know, you know, and, and, you know, she has had to get help for that, you know, and that's what you do, whether you're a gymnast, whether you're a NBA player or whether you are somebody that just works at the company around the corner. Everybody's the same other than the fact she has uh, incredible athletic ability mentally. She's wired just the same as you and me. So have a little bit of compassion. And not just for her, but for anybody in sports that is dealing with mental health issues. you got to have a little bit of compassion. And I can be as brutal as the next guy. But there are certain times that you have to look at the humanity. Not look at the sport. Not look at uh, the disappointment that you feel that the United States is not going to win a gold medal in some event. That means, in the grand scheme of things, that means nothing. You know? Uh, you have to be a human being. And, and what would you do if it was your daughter? You know, if you're old enough like me to have children, you know, what would you do? If that was your daughter and she was struggling, wouldn't you want her to make the same decisions that Simone Biles made? And that's the thing I think people forget. And these people that make these comments on social media, if they're, I'll tell you what, I hope none of them spawn. I hope, I hope none of them have children. Because if the, the lack of compassion that you show online is the way you are going to be as a parent, Jesus, you are the poster child for birth control. <laughs> Seriously. You know, I, I often wonder, the people that post these kind of hateful things, do you have kids? And do you treat your kids and say things to your kids the way you do to things online? Because if you do, well, that would explain a lot about <laughs> some of the things going on in the world today. But good Lord. So anyway, just as, as this goes forward, and look, I hope she's able to compete in the individual events, but if not, she owes none of us a damn thing. She owes it to herself, she owes it to her family, she owes it to her teammates to do the best that she can do for herself. That's as simple as that. Okay, it's, uh, you know what, instead of uh, jumping right into baseball talk, on that note, let's take a quick break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 28 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, a couple of programming notes. I know I've been promising I was going to try to get Jim Forbes on uh, from the 1972 Olympic basketball team. I just, I've been swamped. I have not had a chance to contact him. I am going to call him today. Uh, hope to have him on here in the next couple of days. Uh, USA basketball team, by the way, uh, with a win last night, they beat uh, Iran 
uh, a nice bounce back, uh, something they needed to do. They've got another game coming up against the Czech Republic. That will advance them into the quarterfinals as long as they don't lay an egg there. And uh, But we're going to try to get Jim Forbes on to talk about uh, uh, the, the robbery from the 1972 Olympics. Uh, he will have a unique perspective on that, I'm sure. So uh, we're going to try to get contact with him today. Coming up on Friday, Matt Corey uh, from Sox Outsider is going to join us to talk about what the Sox may do for the trade deadline. By the time we have him on on Friday, um, they may have already done something. The trade deadline comes up at 4 o'clock Eastern time on uh, Friday. So, uh, you know, maybe the Sox will have already done something by the time we have a chance to talk to him. But uh, we'll see. He's going to be coming up on uh, Friday morning in the 930 half hour. Uh, all right. Let's uh, take a look at baseball from last night. The Red Sox got rained out. They, uh, the game was scheduled to start at 7:10. They had the tarp on the field and delayed the start of the game. And good thing that they did. It literally at about 7:15, five minutes after the scheduled first pitch, uh, it was a monsoon in Boston. And uh, good for the Red Sox. They made a pretty quick decision on it. Within a half an hour, they made the decision that they were not going to play the game. They rained it out because it had come down so heavy. They're going to play a doubleheader today uh, starting at 2-10. Um, so there'll be two games in Boston. I believe it's a split doubleheader, but even though it's a split doubleheader, it's still going to be seven-inning games, which I hate. Um you know, again, being the baseball purist that I am, I, I can't. I, I, Rob Manfred said those are likely going away next year along with the extra runner uh, to start extra innings. Um, so I'm glad about that. But uh, So they'll play a doubleheader today, and uh, uh, Tanner Houck is going to start one of those games. We'll be curious to see how he does. Of course, he when they brought him up from Worcester, he pitched uh, three innings of relief, looked really, really good, uh, and he becomes part of that rotation for a little while. And, you know, I still, you know, a lot of talk about the Red Sox adding a bullpen piece. I think that that, you know, I would not mind seeing that at all. Right now in that bullpen, I don't know who you trust. I mean, I guess you trust Josh Taylor because he's been so good. And I trust Matt Barnes. I had trusted Adam Adovino, but he has struggled quite a bit lately. And that may be from overuse. I think that's part of the problem that we're seeing here is the Red Sox are having to go to that bullpen so often you don't know who to trust. Phillips Valdez has come up and give them a nice boost from Worcester. Uh, but he did that early in the season, and then, you know, he was not so good, and he ended up back down in AAA. So you don't know whether to trust him. So where do you go? You know, so, you know, there's been talk that they might try to bring Craig Kimball back. I'm praying they don't do that, quite frankly. I don't think they need that. I think they could get a complimentary bullpen piece that wouldn't cost them eight arms and two legs. Um, the guy that's intriguing to me, and it's not a bullpen piece, and I don't think they're going to do it because they might have to give up an awful lot. Uh, and Washington's trading uh, is, is talking about moving them. But, man, what a great gift it would be to have Max Scherzer from the Washington Nationals and that Red Sox rotation down the stretch. Now, the the problem with Max Scherzer, there's been talk, he has a full no trade, so he would have to waive the no trade. And some of the talk is, is in order to waive the no trade, he would want a contract extension. Um, otherwise, he basically becomes a rental for the Red Sox. But there's talk that if he was going to waive it, it would be to get a contract extension. And would the Red Sox be willing to do that? 
You know, now, you know, you've got Garrett Richards and Martin Perez who are on one-year deals. You're not going to keep them around for next year. But if you have Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, Nate Evaldi, and Erod, that's a lot of money in your starting rotation. So I'd love to see Max Scherzer come to Boston. I don't think it's going to happen because I'd love to see the Red Sox. People talk about the bullpen pieces, and, and I, I do agree. But I don't trust that rotation very much either. You know, I don't trust Garrett Richards or Martin Perez. I don't. For that matter, I don't even know if I trust Nick Pavetta. Um, Erod's been fragile. We, you know, uh, we don't know what the deal is with him. But outside of Evaldi, it's been really hard to count on anybody. Now, Chris Sale's coming back, but he's not coming back to throw seven, eight innings, guys. He's coming back, and you're hoping he can get you five, maybe six. This is a guy coming off of Tommy John surgery. They're not going to push the envelope with him too much. So, to me... A starting pitcher might be even more of a need than a relief pitcher. The problem is, is starting pitchers are expensive. Any that are out there, whether it's Max Scherzer or Jose Barrios or ever, any other name you want, they're going to be expensive. So if you're Boston, you know, I, I don't know that that's a price you want to pay. Hyam Bloom said he doesn't want to mortgage the future. Yet he's excited about being the position that they're in. You know, a lot of people think they need to add a first base piece. Bobby Dahlbeck has been disappointing. There's no question about that. He hits left-handed pitching well. He hits right-handed pitching not at all. You know, so maybe a left-handed bat uh, that can platoon with him at first base. You know, I don't know what that would look like. And a lot of people are pointing to uh, Mike Rizzo from the Chicago Cubs. Again, somebody who might be expensive. And again, I don't know if that's the answer. You know, I, I, did, you've done well. Look, you're 22 games over 500, and people can say all they want about, well, Bobby Dahlbeck's disappointing this and that, and they haven't gotten the production out of first base that they need. Well, that's true, but you're 22 games over 500. So I don't know that that's a need. I think the pitching to me is more of an issue. If you get better pitching, you don't have to rely on 33 comeback wins. Because maybe your pitching staff keeps you in a game where, you know, you're not coming from behind. So we'll see. Anyway, but we'll have Matt Corey on Friday to talk about all that. And, you know, maybe something happens between now and then. Uh, found myself in a very strange spot last night. I had to root for the New York Yankees. That was painful. Yep, as a matter of fact, it was da- damn right nauseating. Felt a little sick to my stomach doing it. But I found myself watching this game last night and actually getting pissed off when the Yankees didn't do something. <laughs> what the hell is going on? What kind of alternate universe is this? But the Yankees do the Red Sox a favor. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays 4-3 to yesterday. Uh, so with the Red Sox off, the Rays drop another half a game back, so they're two back. And look, I, I, you can afford to want the Yankees to beat Tampa. I want the Yankees to sweep this series. If the Red Sox come back and win the doubleheader today and sweep the series from Toronto and the Yankees sweep Tampa, Tampa's five back. And the Yankees are still nine back. And the Red Sox have some breathing room. And Toronto's done if all those things happen. That's a lot to ask. But so to me, you know, wanting the Yankees to win while painful is what Red Sox fans really should want. I had somebody, a friend of mine says, there's never a time when you root for the Yankees ever. <laughs> I get it. You know, and it was another, um, uh, 
one of the guys from Small State Big Takes, uh, who we have their uh, uh, their podcast here uh, every Tuesday afternoon, uh, he said, you know, my feelings are exactly why when he gets involved in fantasy baseball, and he said he does he never takes Yankees. He, you know, he said unless there there is some. Uh, you know, some steel out there. He said, I don't take Yankees because I don't want to be in a position where I have to want anybody that plays for them to play well. <laughs> I I sympathize. So anyway, but so I, I, uh, I sucked it up, swallowed it, and uh, the Yankees do the Red Sox a favor. Jordan Montgomery, solid start for him last night. Uh, he had not won in eight starts. Uh, going all the way back to June 2nd when he had beat Tampa. So he beats Tampa again. He goes five scoreless innings, gave up five hits, struck out five, walked three, picked up his fourth win of the season, Yankee bullpen. Uh, shaky. Chad Green, not great. Uh, Loisica did a good job. Zach Britton, not great. And then Araldis Chapman comes on and uh, gets the final three outs. He did walk a guy. He walked Wander Franco with two outs and went 3-0 and on uh, – Nelson Cruz, but came back to get him to strike him out to pick up his 19th save of the season. Um, but uh, so the Yankees do the Red Sox a favor, and uh, you know how often are you able to say that? Uh, Nestor Cortez is going to get the start for the Yankees today. So uh, his first start of the season, kind of this, I guess it kind of becomes a bullpen game, which makes it difficult when you use four relievers last night. But Nestor Cortez will get the start for the Yankees tonight. He will go against Michael Waka. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays. the This is uh, interesting. The Yankees made a trade yesterday. They traded two relievers, Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson, to the Cincinnati Reds in exchange for a player to be named later. Now, Justin Wilson being traded, you know, there's no, there's no loss there if you're a Yankee fan. This is a guy that uh, has been on the injured list twice this year, and when he has pitched, he hasn't been great. In 21 appearances, he's got an ERA of 7.5. All right, so that, you know, <laughs> Yankee fans are like, oh, thank God. But Sessa is an interesting one to me. This is a guy who has been very good out of their bullpen. He's 3-1 and one with a 2.82 ERA in 29 relief appearances. And yet they shipped him off to Cincinnati for a player to be named later. Why? Well, People are theorizing that the Yankees are trying to make some kind of a big trade. They've been linked to Joey Gallo. Uh, they have been linked to several other names. Jose Barrios is another name that has come up. Uh, that they are trying to clear space under the cap. That they needed some financial relief. Now, by... Uh, getting rid of Sessa, he's earning $1.05 million this year. So he's only got about $400,000 left for the rest of the season. Now, Wilson is owed about another million bucks this year, plus a $1.15 million buyout, and then a $2.3 million player option for next year. So you get a little bit more relief with Wilson. But still, you're so they cleared up maybe $2 million bucks. But they are trying to make, you know, and whether whether it's to take on Joey Gallo's salary, whatever it is, the Yankees are are definitely going to make some kind of move. You guaranteed it. So they trade two relievers to the Cincinnati Reds. And look, the Yankees are nine back. I, I really don't believe they're going to win the division. You know, it's still the Yankees, and you still, you know, it's hard to count them out. But the Yankees are only two and a half games out of the second wild card. So they are still very much in this thing. 
So for people that thought that they should blow it up, there's still people that think that the Yankees should trade Aaron Judge and get you know some pieces back for Aaron Judge. They're not doing that because they're only two and a half out of the wild card. And when you get into the wild card, you know, then anything can happen because they're still the New York Yankees and they still have guys that can hit the ball 8,000 miles. And they still have guys that on occasion can give you a good start. You know, they still can be dangerous. So they're not going to be selling. The only question to me is whether they're going to add pitching or whether they're going to add a guy like Joey Gallo. I'm not sure they can afford to do both. The good news for the Yankees is is they're getting uh, Luke Voigt back here in the next couple of days. So that'll be a boost for them as well. Although when he has come back, he hasn't been very good this year either. And this is a guy that led the major leagues in homers last year, but this year he can't stay on the field. So uh, so they're not going to be selling off mass pieces and just throwing it in the towel. It's not the Yankee way. And they're not that far out of it where they would need to do that. So uh, other New York team yesterday, the Mets got drilled by the uh, – Atlanta Braves, Austin Riley, two homers, a grand slam and a two-run bomb. Six runs batted in. He beat the Mets by himself. How about this for the start to the game? Atlanta scores two in the first, two in the second, two in the third, four in the fourth. Game over. (laughs) They added two more in the sixth that didn't matter, but this game was over early. Uh, Jared Eikhoff got the spot start for the Mets last night and uh, gave up ten runs. Three in the third innings, ten runs. Walked five guys as well, by the way. Gave up three bombs. I mean, oh, he became uh, the sixth player in team history to give up 10 runs in an outing. Last one to do that, Johan Santana, all the way back in 2010. That is just a brutal, brutal appearance. Uh, Charlie Martin got the start for Atlanta. Wasn't great, but good enough when you score 12 runs. Uh, Five innings, five hits, three runs. He picks up his 10th win of the season. The Braves have now won two out of three. In that series against the Mets, this is a five-game series. And so now the Braves have climbed within four. They're a game under 500. Philly is three and a half back. If Atlanta wins the last two games in this series, man, it, it, all bets are off. You know, and you know, the other piece of this is, is I look at the Washington Nationals. They're seven and a half back of the Mets. You look at that division, and that division is so wide open. Now, you're not going to get the wild card out of that division because even Philly, who's in second place, is still seven and a half back of the wild card because the the National League West has been so good. But even if you're Washington, you're seven and a half back, and they're talking about you know, getting rid of Max Scherzer. Are you really that confident that you don't have a chance at this division? I guess the answer, if you're Mike Rizzo, would be yes because it sounds like uh, you know they are more than willing to trade Max Scherzer. So, uh, but anyway, so uh, they will play today. By the way, Carlos Carrasco is going to pitch for the Mets this weekend. He's, he'll be back in the rotation this weekend. Max Fried is going to pitch tonight's game for the Braves, 7-6 and six with a 4-4-6. And Tyler McGill, the rookie, uh, is going to make the start for the Mets. Uh, he's made six starts this year. He's allowed one run or fewer four times in those six outings. So, you know, he has been pretty solid for this Mets team. Uh, but the Mets need a win tonight in the worst way because things are getting 
very, very uncomfortable. Uh, how about this yesterday? The Phillies uh, thought they had a trade yesterday. They thought that they had Tyler Anderson. Matter of fact, it was reported all over social media that the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates had traded Tyler Anderson to the Philadelphia Phillies. Nah, well, not so fast. Turns out Tyler Anderson, instead of going to the Phillies, goes to the opposite coast and goes to the Seattle Mariners. He gets traded to the Mariners. Um, and the Phils miss out. Now, <laughs> uh, and then the Phillies proceed to lose the game to the Nationals after they lose out on that trade. So, <laughs> oops. Uh, somebody, uh, somebody leaked that one a little bit too quickly. And uh, speaking of trades, here's one for you. How about the Houston Astros make a trade yesterday with the Seattle Mariners, the team that they are playing? The Mariners picked up, or excuse me, the Astros picked up two relievers from the Mariners, and this was a bizarre trade. Now, it makes a little bit more sense when you see that the Mariners got Tyler Anderson from Pittsburgh to put into their starting rotation, but they traded Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero to the Astros for Abraham Toro and Joe Smith. Kendall Graveman has been one of the best relief pitchers in the majors this year. He's been, I mean, he's been ridiculous. So he goes to the Astros. So Abraham Toro, who gets traded, is actually on the field taking batting practice for the Houston Astros, finds out, hey, you've been traded. So he goes into the opposite dugout, goes into their clubhouse, and changes uniforms, comes back out and takes some more batting practice, now in a Mariners uniform. And to make it even better, Toro comes up as a pinch hitter in this game in the ninth inning and hits a two-run pinch hit home run against his old team, a team that he was warming up for just a couple of hours before. He became the first player in Major League Baseball history to homer for one team and then against that same team in consecutive games, according to Elias Sports Bureau. First time in history. Just when you think you've seen it all, you haven't. Uh, it didn't work out well for the Mariners. The Astros still win the game. Uh, they beat them 8-6. The Mariners did try to make that comeback. Toro's home run made it a two-run game, but... Uh, uh, they ran out of steam after that. Uh, Chris Flexen got the start for Seattle and got roughed up. He'd been pretty good this year. He had an ERA of just over about 3.3 coming into the game. He gave up seven runs in four innings. Uh, Lance McCullers was just good enough to pick up his eighth win of the season. But a big win for the Houston Astros. Uh, they are they remain six games or, or moved to six games ahead of the Oakland Athletics. And uh, with the loss, Seattle is now seven back. Uh, still eight games over 500, and it sounds like the Mariners might not be done. You know, they have made, uh, when people were criticizing their move for getting rid of the best reliever in baseball this year, uh, GM basically said, be patient. You know, this is part of a bigger plan that we've got coming up at the trade deadline. So uh, we'll see. And, you know, look, and if you're Seattle right now, you're only a game back of the wild card. So Seattle very much in this. So adding a piece to their rotation is huge. Joe Smith is, you know, in his career has been decent. And matter of fact, pitched a scoreless inning for Seattle last night. So, you know, he's not been what Kendall Graveman's been this year, but you still got a bullpen arm back. So, uh, again, Seattle's still very much in it despite losing that game last night. It's 48 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 
It's 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Just a few minutes left before we get out of here this morning. Most entertaining division in baseball right now, without a doubt. Uh, and you can well, you could say the American League East if you want to, but right now the division that I think is the most fun is the National League West. Uh, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Padres, so much fun. Uh, I mentioned the Athletics being uh, still six back of Houston. Well, that's because they lost last night to the San Diego Padres. Uh, 7-4, Fernando Tatis Jr. with a home run that uh, might have killed somebody if they, they were in front of it. It went uh, The projected distance, by the way, was uh, 440 feet. I think that was, uh, I think it was uh, wrong. That thing was crushed. Uh, for Tatis, it was his 31st home run of the season. Chris Paddock with a solid start last night for the Padres, something that they needed. He has struggled quite a bit this year. He still gave up nine hits in six innings, but... Uh, uh, three runs. He struck out six, only walked one. James Caprillion got roughed up for the A's last night in one of his uh, tougher outings of the season. Six hits, or excuse me, six runs and seven hits in four and a third innings. Uh, so the Padres win, and uh, the Dodgers lose again to the San Francisco Giants. These Giants are now 26 games over 500. I mean, they just will not go away. Uh, Brenda Webb got the start last night for the Giants. Six innings, just one run. Uh, Julio Urias, who leads the uh, leads all of baseball in wins, uh, pitched well, pitched into the six, went five and two-thirds, uh, struck out five, didn't walk anybody, only gave up one run. But uh, the bats could do absolutely nothing off of those Giants last night. Uh, pitching was the uh, order of the day. But a big error in this one uh, by uh, Cody Bellinger. He made his first start of the season last night at first base because uh, he's got a sore hamstring, so they didn't want to put him in the outfield. So they were a uh, uh, ground ball hit to him, and he pump faked it, uh, pump faked the throw, and then threw it way over the head of Justin Turner, it goes all the way into the netting along the third baseline uh, for an error. And uh, Buster Posey, who was at second base where they were trying to get him at third base as he was moving, he ends up scoring easily, and uh, that was the game. So it turned out to be an error uh, that spoiled a great pitching night for uh, uh, for Julio Urias. Uh, Walker Bueller is going to get the start tonight. 10-1, 2-3-1 ERA. Anthony DiScalfani, 10-4, 2-8-7 ERA, uh, will get the start for the Giants. Now, though, DiScalfani is 0-2 uh, and a pair of no decisions against the Dodgers this year. So he's still looking for his first win against the Dodgers, despite all the success that his team have, has had. Uh, DiScalfani has not been able to join in that. But, man, what a fun division. So the Giants, with that victory, now back up to three over the Dodgers, five and a half over the Padres. Uh, right now the Padres are playing the best of any of those three teams in the division as they try to keep themselves in it. You know, and the other thing about the Padres, I, I forgot to mention, of course, they made that big trade the other day. They got Adam Frazier uh, from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, he had a couple of hits and two runs scored last night, making his debut for those Padres, so he makes a difference right away. Uh, but that's going to be uh, so entertaining. Uh, another guy that made a uh, a splash last night, Eloy Jimenez, uh, who just came back from uh, 
that injury when he started the season on the injury because he tore a pectoral muscle in spring training, if you remember trying to go over the fence and make a, a catch, ripped his pec and uh, hadn't played until Monday night uh, when he went 0 for 4. Well, he got his first big hit of the year last night, a go-ahead three-run homer in the eighth inning, and the Chicago White Sox come back to beat the Kansas City Royals uh, 5-3. to three. So the White Sox back to 19 games over 500. They stretched their lead in the Central to 9.5 as Cleveland loses. Uh, so that that division all over but the shouting. But Eloy Jimenez making a, uh, a, a big difference uh, in his first couple of games back. Lucas Giolito is going to get the start tonight against uh, Kansas City. He's 8-7 with a 3-7-8. Uh, Chris Bubich will get the start for the Royals. He with the uh, 4.72. ERA uh, and congratulations to the Texas Rangers. <laughs> Joey Gallo with his first home run since the All Star break, a three run bomb. He also had two assists in the outfield, by the way. Uh, the Rangers finally end the losing streak. It stops at twelve. They beat the Arizona Diamondbacks yesterday in a dumb off by a final of five to four. Texas uh, is what twenty nine games under five hundred. Uh, Arizona. Uh, is 40 games under 500. So, yeah, I can only imagine the TV ratings for this one must have been uh, tremendous. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Diamondbacks have the worst record in baseball since uh, June. Uh, but they had won five of their previous seven, but that they were obviously just the tonic that the Rangers needed to stop that losing streak. So uh, congratulations to them. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, and uh, strange trade in the NHL last night. The Las Vegas Golden Knights traded Marc-Andre Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury, ladies and gentlemen, is the reigning Vezina Trophy winner as the best goalie in the NHL. And the Las Vegas Golden Knights traded him yesterday to the Chicago Blackhawks for a bag of pucks. I'm not kidding. They traded him for a minor league forward. Why? Because they wanted to dump his $7 million salary for next season. Can you, The best goalie in the NHL was just traded for nobody just to dump salary. Fleury's 36 years old. He had a no-trade team, but Chicago was not on that list. Uh, he had a 10-team no-trade list. It was not in that, tra- that, that list. But he did not want to be traded. He has actually mentioned that he might retire rather than play for another team for family issues. He wanted to stay in Vegas, and now he goes, not only does he go to, to from Vegas, a, a playoff team, he goes to one of the worst teams in the Central Division. Uh, you know, so it happens in every sport, and it happened in the NHL yesterday. On the same day that Alex Ovechkin signed a five-year deal to stay with the Washington Capitals and take a run at the all-time leading scoring record in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights dump the best goalie in the NHL for nothing. Unreal. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from Thomas Rhett. Going to see him in concert next month. What's your country song? It's called We'll See You Tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.